like the way she speaks of that little animal. She's really, she's absolutely cold and rude, and I don't know. She isn't too attractive herself. And I think she could learn to have a little compassion. In fact, she doesn't help your show at all. She speaks very poorly. I think you, it's time you listened in on a little. There must be some woman down there or girl who could replace her. She is very cruel. I can't stomach her, and we are club. We don't like her a bit. Many of us have had a lot of theater experience, and we think she is so rude, and she speaks so poorly. Yet she condemns that little animal. All he wants is a little love. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. It's time for Peculiar Podcast. In your wildest dreams, you could not imagine the marvelous surprises that await you. Hosted by Pat Cashman. He had a fiery quality on the stage and off the stage, and he was gorgeous to look at. And back by his side, Lisa Foster. She has tattoos, she's cool. She's dangerous. Broadcasters turned rogue podcasters. <laughs> Get a real nice surprise. They're back and on demand. Just press the button. See, you're off. Ready or not, it's Pat and Lisa. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. <laughs> Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Can you dig it? Yeah, yeah, I can dig it. Yeah. Okay, here's something I wanted to ask you from a couple of podcasts ago, and I forgot to do it. What? Uh, you were talking about using this service that was going to set you up with a, a vacation trip, uh, the exact destination of which you would not know in advance. Correct. Uh, do, you, do you remember that? Talking yeah. about that? Excuse me. Yeah, it's called Pack Up and Go. <clears throat> and... You sounded like you were on the verge of doing it. Yeah. Did you? Did you? No, I, I, I didn't, but I am still going to do it. So the Pack Up and Go creates these three-day vacations for you, no further than three hours away by bus, plane, train, or automobile. And you don't know until you are told a week before to, to show up at the bus station and then open the envelope and get on the bus that tells you where you're yeah. going or the plane. Yeah. So I thought that was just very exciting. I'm trying to embrace surprise more in my life. And I, I really want Hey, what's that? The surprise, surprise, surprise. It's surprise. talking to you about it but then i had um, my little dog sherman my puppy my little cocker spaniel puppy sherman yeah, yeah. he needed eye surgery and i did golly mr peabody <laughs> i didn't want to i didn't want to be with and i was going to do it over for my birthday and the surgery happened that and anyway so he needed to be in a cone for 10 days and so i put it off i'm still going to do it but i just haven't done it all yet right. all right Hey, uh, I just uh, referenced Sherman and Peabody there when you were talking about Sherman. Yes, I noticed that. That was very good. 
which reminds me that two weeks ago, one of my heroines in the mm, voiceover business passed too. away. Yes. June June Foray. Yes. Uh, an amazing talent. I mean, stunningly great. Uh, and and the listeners to the podcast may not have ever heard of her of her name, but they have certainly heard, heard her. her. <laughs> yeah. Here's just a sample of all the different voices, mostly for cartoons that she did. This is one woman doing all of this. Take my eyes off you for a second. Let me warn you, Sylvester, for absolutely the last time, if there's one little feather, just one little feather harmed of this bird, I'm going to sell you to the violin string factory. Dudley, fancy meeting you here. I always knew you were a big spender, and there's just so many things in town I want to buy. I'm sorry. I just can't go. But think of the fun you'll be missing. There's more to life than fun, Ogum. I'm needed here. So, your great, big, wonderful moose. That's me, all right. Maybe you could see to it that Hard Knocks wins next Saturday. Why not? Bullwinkle, you can't do that. I'm supposed to help ladies in distress. But Chapter 3 says you never throw a game. A couple varsnik, a spider, some glue, a lizard's gizzard, and he's here or two. For little folks and poison oak. <laughs> and I guess my favorite would have been any of the old crones. I sure. loved yes. witches, the little old ladies. I mean, she I was loved, great. I loved Witch Hazel. I loved Nata yeah. Natasha from yeah. Rocky and Bullwinkle. She also did Rocky, um, which is fine, but I thought Rocky had an annoying voice. And then I I didn't know this, but I, I she did Cindy Lou Who on The Grinch, and, yeah, which right. amazing talent. As The Grinch took the tree, as he started to shove, he, he heard a small sound like the coo of a dove. He turned around fast and he saw a small who, little Cindy Lou Who, who was no more than two. She stared at the Grinch and said, Sandy Claus, why? Why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? A trailblazer, to be sure, but mm. also for female talents. And, and I don't yeah. know if, if you've ever listened to any of the really fascinating interviews about the old days of them getting into the studio and doing voiceovers. And she's pretty much the token chick in the yeah. midst of all these, yeah. these male talents and producers and, and engineers, and they'd be drinking. And uh, it was just, it just sounded like such fun in those days. So yeah. Nowadays, nowadays, if you do character voices, uh, especially if it's a union type of job, if you do like an old man, and okay, you get paid to do the old man. <gasps> then you're gonna do another guy, and you get paid for that. Correct. But you know, back in her day, right? One of the reasons she got used so much is because we'll we'll use her for a session. She'll do six different voices, right? And we'll only pay her once. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Not fair, because she was no, just not in, fair in, at all. incredibly talented. Incredibly she was. talented. June Foray. Uh, one of my my personal heroes. Growing up, especially, was a guy named Stan Freeberg. Mm -hmm. He mm -hmm. he was a satirist. He did wonderful uh, satirical songs. Uh, this is one of my favorites. Indulge me here. You got to hear the whole thing. 
I have to ask you not to shout like that. Well, it's uh, like right in my ear, man. Well, it goes with the song. Yeah, but know. don't holler in my ear, well, man. Well, it's authentic uh, calypso. Yeah, but like I stand next to me, man. Well, the shout go with the bongo drums. Well, not my bongo drums, man. I mean, move away. Well, like. I don't see why. Uh, no, 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 no. Stand well, over next to the guitar, man. He sent me over here. Yeah. Well, then sing soft, man. You know, I mean, like wow. Okay. Yeah. It's too loud, man. Yeah. That's better. He's a day, 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 oh, daylight come and me won't go home. Yeah, man. Who work all night and a drink of rum. Daylight come and me won't go home. Stock banana till the morning come. Daylight come and me won't go home. Lift six foot, seven foot, eight foot punch. Too loud, man. Too loud. Six foot, seven hold it, foot, eight hold it, hold it, hold it, foot, man. punch. My ears, my ears, like my ears. No, hold it, man. It's too shrill, man. It's too piercing. Oh, well, I don't see why. No, it's too piercing, man. Uh, it's too piercing. Well, I got to the shout. No, man, it's too piercing. Like, I don't dig loud noises. Well, you ruined the whole piercing. record is what you do. Yeah, well, tough. I'll take my bongos and go, man, because the whole thing is like bugging me anyhow. Yeah, well, wait a minute. I won't no, shout. I'm no, I'm cutting, man. No. Like, I didn't want to make this gig in the first place. No, no, wait a minute. I'll be soft. Yeah? Well, then, back off from me, man. It's too piercing. Okay. How's this? Too loud, man. Okay. Too loud, man. I can still hear you. Would you mind leaving the room? Okay. Crazy. Daylight come and me wander home. Daylight come and me want go home. Hey, beautiful bunch of ripe banana. Daylight come and me want go home. Hide the deadly black tarantula. Daylight oh, come man, don't sing about spiders. I mean, ooh, well, like I don't dig spiders. Well, that's, that's how the song goes. He goes, hide the deadly black tarantula. Daylight come and me want go is that it? Can I leave now? Oh, not yet. We got a big finish. Hey. Yeah, man. I locked myself out. Crazy. I come through the window. Daylight come and me won't go home. And he did tons of other stuff. Wow. And if he ever needed a female voice, June Foray would have been uh, front and center. This is the countryside. My name is St. George. I'm a knight. Saturday, July 10th, 8.05 p.m. I was working out of the castle on the night watch when a call came in from the chief. A dragon had been devouring maidens. Homicide. My job. Slay him. 8.22 p.m. I talked to one of the maidens who had almost been devoured. Could I talk to you, ma'am? Who are you? I'm St. George, ma'am. Homicide, ma'am. I want to ask you a few questions, ma'am. I understand you're almost devoured by the ma'am. Is that right, dragon? It was terrible. He breathed fire on me. He banged me already. 
How can I be sure of that, ma'am? Believe me, I got it straight from the dragon's mouth. I talked to a friend of mine about this the other day, and he said that one time he was on an airline flight, and sitting a couple rows behind him, but he could hear her, was June Foray. He didn't know it at the time, but she was talking to somebody next to her about working with Stan Freeberg and all of this thing. Wow. So when she when they get off the flight, he approaches her and said, excuse me, are you June Foray? She says, yes, I am. They had a nice discussion, and he got an autograph of hers on the cover of a, of a New Yorker magazine that he had. Oh, so cool. And, and what do you think happened? He lost the magazine, oh, of course. Oh, no. I can think of so many pictures I've got with people and stuff, and I've lost them all. Um, and it's funny because when I think back to our days in radio, mm-hmm. and um, I and people will say, "Did you ever interview so and so and so and so?" And then, or they'll play me a recording of an interview I did with somebody, and I don't remember it. And then I go, "Ooh, that's cool." Yeah. I interviewed I interviewed Angela, uh, you know, uh, Jolie. Yeah. Uh, Lansbury. No, she's. Um, uh, I've just <laughs> completely forgot her name now. I'm giving him to you, Angelo Maya, and Jolie. My, Maya, Maya Angelo. You Maya did? Angelo. Was Twice. I there? I, I guess. I mean, I, and I kind of forgot. Uh, Mel Brooks and uh, Carl Reiner and Steve Allen. All these people that we've interviewed, and most of them I've forgotten. That's but there's, sad, huh? There's one that I remember pretty well. Ooh. And uh, we, whenever uh, a famous long-distance runner would come to town, they would all, always – be associated with some sort of charity event. Right. And and so one time a guy named Frank Shorter came in, and I remember it so vividly. Those guys are like my heroes. I love the long-distance runners because it's it's a lonely pursuit, you know? You're like a boxer. It's not a team sport. You're basically, it's you battling your own right. psyche. Yeah. And, and he won a... He he really was at the forefront of the popular running movement. I mean, back when you and I were kids, people were out running. They weren't out jogging and stuff like that. And he st- he won a marathon in the early 70s, and he became a hero and sort of the face of the running movement, along with a guy named Steve Prefontaine ah. from uh, from uh, Oregon. He just had that, whatever that is. I don't know. Actors have it. Singers have it. Some people have it. Some people don't. Most people don't. He had a lot of it. He was the benchmark that we all tried to, you know, measure ourselves against. He was so ferociously competitive in his sport. He understood that he was getting close to the limits in ways that few people do. Of all the great athletes that have worn our products on the field of battle, uh, we made a statue of only one of them, and that was Steve Prefontaine. Okay, so what was so memorable about this interview? Uh, I remember I was living in Eugene, Oregon, and Steve Prefontaine got killed in a car wreck. And it was it was biggest headline I'd ever ever seen on a newspaper. On on the Eugene Register Guard, it was top of the fold, obviously, but almost all of the top of the fold was Prefontaine dies. Wow. And it was it was a it, he was at the top of his career, young man, and he got in a car crash and, and died. And and uh, I knew Frank Shorter was a good friend of his, so I had the typical interview with him on the radio. And then, when that was over, we were leaving the building, and I walked him out to his car because I just wanted to 
keep talking to him. We had a long commercial break. And and somehow I brought up Steve Prefontaine to him and he he broke down. Oh uh, no. And, and, uh, oh long story short is that the night that Prefontaine died, they had had done a race earlier in the day and then they were out having beers at a bar. And he he's he blames himself because he knew Prefontaine had had one too many, and he didn't oh, he didn't want him to drive. And he said I should have I should have driven him. I I knew he shouldn't leave by himself. Oh, and, what a and, thing to carry around. Oh, he told me that day that he had never talked about it before, or rarely talked about it. I thought um, I I wish I had known. I might have asked him about it on the radio. But on the other hand, um. He was dealing with it at that time. Since then, he's written a book where he talks about it more freely. He's not blamed himself anymore. But he also talks about his dad. This is Frank Shorter talking about his father uh, that uh, routinely just beat up all the kids in his family. Lovely. uh, Charming. I mean, it's, it's a horrible story. And now he talks about it very freely. He's compared notes with his brothers and sisters. Uh, Here's a guy that won the marathon, got a gold medal, and his and he hears from one of his siblings later that his dad is watching it on TV, and he'd never gone to any of his his races in his entire career, hmm. and he's watching it on TV, and then he he shrugs and says, "Well, I guess Frank's gonna have a big head now." Wow! And walked out of the room. So uh, that also he reveals in this book. But uh, anyway, taking a taking a side. Wow in there but uh man i'm just i'm always stunned sometimes by the unbelievable hardship that some kids have grown up in and their inability as kids to deal with it mm-hmm. and so they keep it a secret for years and years and maybe some go to the grave and they've never told anybody about it or they just can't express it and even as adults full-grown adults they still are afraid Mm-hmm. Of their dad, of their dad, or their mom, or whoever it might be. Those things, he, those things shape you as a child. You yeah. you learn to manage and navigate relationships as a kid. So not only does it um, affect the directly affect the relationship that that you know um, damaged you, it affects the relationships around you as you move through life. And you, know, you don't realize it, it does uh, sometimes, but it definitely does. Absolutely, are, it does shape fire kid what do they say you are the person you are by the age of five or whatever it is mm-hmm. um and that's why good parenting is so important because you know you don't want to screw up your kids because then they've got to go out in the world and try to deal with that so and anybody who says yeah but you're an adult now so you shouldn't let what happened to you as a kid affect you well it does it shapes you so yeah. but yeah you can work on it but it's still there. You can work on it, but it's still there. And as you can tell, I'm speaking from experience. Yeah. It's tough. It's, yeah. it's tough. Well, I had a wonderful childhood, great parents. So my question to you is why am I such a... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just don't even fill it. Don't even end the question. I know yeah. I could fill it in with a million things. No. You, know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Teach your children well. Their father's hell did slowly go by and feed 
them on your dreams The one they fix The one you know by well, I mean, anyway, uh, you are going to come and uh, join us down here where I live part of the time down in Central Oregon. Yes. And you're, you're going to come and visit, so that's good. We set that up last last time, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, that'll be great. And you'll have a good time. We have a house here, and it's a resort area called Sun River, and we have a house that is situated right on a bicycle and running trail. I love it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love about it is that uh, our, we have a deck that sits out front, so you hear conversations of people going by on their bikes or walking. And there's something about our place, and you'll see this, maybe the way that my wife has it tricked out, that people stop, and they always stop and look at our house. Oh, nice. And they, and they like it. They they always say, oh, isn't that pretty, Larry? Look at those flowers. Look <laughs> at that. And, and But it is also located just a few feet away from a hairpin turn uh, on the trail that that comes down a hill and then you have to turn quickly. And if you're not paying attention, you'll wipe out. You're going to wipe out. And people do all the time, oh. especially little kids. Oh. And it's become kind of a sadistic pleasure of ours oh to sit on the deck and say, and, and, we, and we'll look and say, he's going too fast. He's going too fast. He's going to lose it. Ooh, ooh, yep, I knew it. I knew it. Some sort of community service thing, like put a sign up. Oh yeah, yeah. There like is that. a sign. There's a sign. It says "Go slow." There's an arrow indicating the the turn, but it doesn't matter. Uh, people just get a, you know, they're so glad to get a hill. Finally, <laughs> downhill they go. Oh, great! Let's coast. You know, okay. and uh, the the there's at least two or three. You'll see some when you're here. Well, I don't know why you're you're booking any other things for us to do. I think that sounds like a great way to spend three three days. Just it is actually, <laughs> it actually is. Uh, but just uh, before I started talking to you, a little kid uh, crashed right in oh, front of our house. When you say and, little, like what, like ten? Yeah, not even that old. He's probably. I would have guessed him to be six. If if he's that old, was he Little by kid. himself? No, his parents were right behind oh, him. Oh, okay. And so he crashes, and he's okay. But he gets up. He's crying. He's oh, mad. Oh. Kids are usually more mad than they are You're hurt. hurt. Yeah, exactly. Although we've had to patch up some kids. One time, I had to take a kid to his house. Oh. He was he was by himself. He wasn't sure where he, you know, because these are usually vacationers that come here so they don't know kids don't know where they're at right they don't know where home is uh, but we got him you know, patched up and got him to his parents um but this little kid today he crashes he gets up and he announces to his parents that he is going 
to just die here. <laughs> I'm not going home with you. I'm not getting back on my bike. I'm going to die right here. Almost like a threat. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, he just can't, he cannot see how he can go on any further. This is just the worst thing that's ever happened. It's embarrassing, and he's going to die right there. Oh. I, I love the declarations of kids. And yes. He, even with your mom and you, you must have done it. Of course. At least, it, usually it's privately. You do it to yourself. Once they're out of the room, and you'll say, yeah, I'm going to. Wait till I'm dead. Yeah. Then they'll be sorry. <laughs> That's right. Or you wish they were dead. Uh-huh. You know, but yeah. you, but often, and I think they captured it pretty well in that uh, Gene Shepard story, uh, A Christmas Story, uh, where the kid is uh, wishing, he's picturing himself as blind now and mm -hmm. coming back to visit his parents. <laughs> and... Mike, he's carrying a cane. Uh, what is it, Ralph? What happened? Why, he's blind. Blind. <laughs> brought you to this lowly stage. Please tell us no matter how it hurts. What did we do? No, I, I can't. Oh, please, please. Ralph, I must know what we did. What brought you to this? Please. Please. Please? It, it, it was? Yes. Yes. So poisoning. I do love to listen to little kids just emit mm -hmm. fury. Right. And or sat because they don't filter themselves. They why should they? You know. Do you ever watch the? Um, <clears throat> that reminds me of the the Jimmy Kimmel bit of uh, parents tricking their kids that they ate all their Halloween oh, candy. Oh, I love. Yeah, I, love I know that. people though. People, you know, when you read the comments, they think it's just horrible and terrible. And I I think it's enormously entertaining. I really well, there's do. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. It's great. I think it's, it's enormously entertaining. I do too. Uh, if you don't if a listener doesn't know the bit. You basically, it usually runs right after Halloween, and then Jimmy interviews these uh, kids sometimes. But then he asks for submissions from parents, and the parent is supposed to hide tell the candy the kid that I, I ate all your candy yeah. while you were sleeping last <laughs> <Yes>. night, <laughs> and then just see what the reaction of the kid is. It's just so great. Last night after you guys went to bed, me and Dad ate all your candy.
wish we could do that as adults. I really do. I think that would make the world a more interesting place. <laughs> It'd probably be illegal, but wouldn't it be great if you could do <laughs> job interviews with with components in it like that yes. rather than have somebody sit and tell you what a great worker they are put a, some sort of situation together maybe right. in the middle of the interview well where somebody comes in and says uh I, i'm sorry to interrupt the uh, interview but somebody just uh stole the car out in the uh on the parking lot it's a red mustang and, <laughs> and just watch the reaction right any yeah. any res resume would. That's oh, for it's sure. okay. I didn't like that car anyway. I'll yeah. get the insurance money. Oh boy, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. that's gonna yeah. happen. I yeah. probably left yeah. the keys in it. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. My fault. Yeah. yeah. Very funny. Uh, I, there's a there's a show on Showtime or HBO or one of them, and I can't remember the exact name of it. Let me see if I can find it here. Stay with me. Did you write it down somewhere? Is oh, yeah. that what you're looking for? It's an HBO documentary called If You're Not in the O-Bit, eat, oh. eat Breakfast. And uh, it principally features Carl Reiner, who's, uh, I think he's 95 now. Wow. Carl, Carl Reiner, the father of uh, of Rob Reiner. And uh, it just it goes way back into the early days of TV, back into the 50s, a protege of Mel Brooks. And they... They did many of these bits where Carl Reiner is an interviewer and Mel Brooks is the 2,000-year-old man. Mm -hmm. Sir, what has kept you alive for 2,000 years? When I'll go in an airplane, <laughs> if I'll go in an airplane, I'll never sit in the first two seats or the last two seats from an airplane. You mean not sitting in the first two or the first last two seats two the last two has kept you alive? I don't understand that. Why? Has that because kept you if alive? the plane, unfortunately, should take a flop out from the sky, you're going to go down with it and break your foot. Right? <laughs> yes. But if, if the plane, as you say, flops out of the sky, everybody in all the seats will break their feet. I mean, at least. Yeah, let me amend that. Any seat is no good. In other words, you're afraid to fly in an airplane. On the nosy. <laughs> I see, but why? Because if the good Lord meant men to fly, he would have given them tickets, right? <laughs> Sir, I've always been interested in the origin in the origin of words. For instance, a simple word like cheese. Where did that come cheese from? Cheese is a lovely story how we get the word cheese in our in our vernacular. In the year 28 dash, there was an old farmer, and he a gentleman came to his land and said, I'm so thirsty, may I have a little dipper milk? Ah. And he said, certainly, go over to the barrel. He not knowing that the barrel of milk had soured, see? Ah. So this poor beggar man came to the barrel and opened up from the top and looked in and looked down and went, cheese! Cheese! <laughs> and, and Carl Reiner is a very funny man in his own right, but he's also brilliant as a straight man. And, and in some ways... That might even be the greater skill than being the comedian, as being the straight Yeah, man. very true. But this show was called, if you're not in the obit, eat breakfast. It has to do with people like him that are pretty superannuated. They're in their 90s now. They can be people like Mel Brooks and Dick Van Dyke, who's 91, uh, until recently Don Rickles, Betty White. And, mm -hmm. and the, so the documentary is filled with folks like that and how they stay active and keep their minds active as you know indicating that that's a reason why they live so long because they mm -hmm. don't 
really retire. They try to stay positive. That keeps them going. Mm -hmm. His basic premise is that you uh, you just you got to stay sharp. Uh, and, and he said, for years I just walked around the block singing all the words to maybe 20 songs from beginning to end. And he said, that keeps your mind sharp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've memorized big sections of Shakespeare, for example, myself, and I just recite them to myself every once in a while to make sure I can still remember them. Uh, wow. Those, those little memory tricks. <laughs> Uh, if you don't, if you don't bother thinking about things, practicing things, reciting things you've known for a long time, uh, it it's gonna go stale like a like a loaf of bread. Oh so. boy, oh boy, that's bad nope. then for me. Do you want to well, know? I, you want to know what I do to keep my mind sharp? What? I play Candy Crush. <laughs> well, that's okay. I think games are are a fine way to keep yourself doing crosswords. A lot of people do that. They watch yeah Jeopardy or what you know whatever whatever it is that makes your mind have to do some heavy lifting. I can't memorize. I can't memorize. uh, That is too. That is a difficult um, skill to to get good at, um, which is one of the reasons I loved being on the radio because we didn't have to memorize anything. And I love doing voiceovers because you don't have to memorize anything. But, you know, being in a play or uh, anything where I have to memorize or doing a live camera shot where I have to memorize and there's no – that just – that's the stuff that my nightmares are made of. I, my yeah. my recurring dream is having to be on a I'm on a play in a play and it's my turn to go up and I don't know my lines. I can't. I don't know. Don't yeah. know them. It's a common nightmare. No no question about it. That's what scared me more than anything when I had a chance to be in a play a few years ago. Yes, that, and you were said, fantastic. You and you Patty know. both. And I'm thinking, uh, well, that one was it was different. We did read that one, but this was. Uh, uh, oh a, yeah, the Hello, uh, Hello Dolly. Hello Dolly. Yes. The I saw that. And so I, that. I'm a principal, so I I thought, can I memorize all these lines? I'm I, I don't know. You don't know. It, it, we get to be a certain age. Can I memorize things? And I won't go through that whole story again. But I did. That was the biggest triumph to me of the whole thing was just <laughs> right. remembering my lines every <laughs> night. And that's one of the things that Carl Reiner brings up in this show is that you. Uh, you know, you test your memory, but the other big theme is you've got to, you got to fail a lot in your life. You can't, nobody gets out of the gate and is just success, success, success. Mm-hmm. It just isn't part of what life is. And you won't learn a lot if you're always succeeding. Mm-hmm. So it made me think that, that failure is something you should actually celebrate. And this, I don't know if you remember this, and I hope we haven't talked about this already, but a, a couple of months ago, back in Europe somewhere, they opened a museum of failure. It was in Sweden. Oh, no, we didn't talk about this. Yeah, it's in a place called Helsingborg, Sweden. And uh, so, uh, ironically, Helsingborg is the fourth <laughs> largest city in Sweden. So they didn't even fail to crack the top three. So talk about failure. But they've got this collection. <laughs> uh, they curated like 60 products. That Oh, that's great. It's a really good idea. Mm, yeah. And so they, they say we want to show innovation requires failure. Mm-hmm. And so if the museum turns out to be a flop, then they'll just be proving their point. So in the museum, and, and 
and I'm kind of disappointed what they have in there. I thought they could have done better, but they're still getting just started. They have big pens that were specifically designed for women. So I remember those. <laughs> they're sleeker. They're more right. attractive. They're less grubby. And those flopped. Right. Yeah. And uh, Coca-Cola Black, B-L-A-K. Mm-hmm. It was a, cue- a coffee-infused version of, of Coke. Oh, gosh. They, that flopped so yeah. bad I didn't even hear about it. Yeah, well, exactly. People didn't go for it. If I want Coke, I'll have a Coke. If I want a coffee, I'll have a coffee. Right. Uh, and then there was a Harley Davidson fragrance. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what so, that smelled like. Yeah, I don't know what it smelled like, but what you know, it just seems at counter, at odds with the whole idea of driving a. Unless the scent is that of smells like sweat, yeah, sweat, like leather, fumes, leather, sweat, bug juice, and yeah. gasoline. And then I thought you'd like this one. It's a battery-operated health and beauty mask. It looks what? like it was designed by that maniac from the Halloween movies. It's a it's a full mask you put on, but it runs on electricity. And what so does you it got do? These, you got these little electrodes in it, and it shocks your face oh apparently God. into looking more attractive. So, so the claim is that if you use oh, it properly, you'll wind up look you'd wind up looking like Linda Evans, the actress. Nice. She, she was the spokesperson for it. But if you don't use it properly, then you wind up looking like that maniac from yeah. the Halloween movies. So um, they also had the Segway in there. Yeah. The, Do you remember? The, I remember being on the air with you when the big announcement was made that this product, which nobody knew what it was, they were going to unveil it, yeah. uh, and it was going to change the way we live. I remember I remember this, being in the studio at Como, talking about this, speculating what it could be, and they, you know, teased it for, didn't they tease it for months before it Probably. Eventually... Uh, what I remember about, and I do remember that day, too, you were really excited about was... it and, and sold on the idea that this is going to change the world, and I was... I was maybe in just a crabby mood that day, but I was a total skeptic. I said, yeah, it's not because we knew what it was. It was going to be the scooter. And I said, how's that going to, how is that as significant yeah. as the tel- telephone or the printing press or anything? And I didn't buy it. Uh, it was supposed to be as big a deal as a personal computer, right. more important than the internet, right? you know, faster than a speeding bullet. Mm-hmm. And then, and now it's mostly used by cops, I think. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. It just, it, it's not that the thing isn't cool, but it just fell way short of expectations. It's not cool. And, it's dorky. Yeah. I mean, you could use it as a getaway thing if you're a crook, if you could get, get away at 12 miles an hour, which and I then, think is top speed. And then they completely dorkified it. Um, yeah. And put yeah. the nail in the coffin with that one with the Paul, Paul Bart mall cop movies yes yes so you're right. they right. the the reputation of that thing just went good point you know yeah so. other new products in the museum are the uh this is new the google glass remember that mm-hmm. the glasses you mean the supposed thing- to look like a pair of glasses right. that that nobody would notice you were actually recording video with right but it, it it always i i always say it turns out that silly things like privacy laws, screw up an otherwise fine idea. <laughs> right. In much the way a virgin margarita will screw up tequila. Right. Yeah. 
So anyway, I thought that was that was kind of cool, but they got to get some better stuff well, in there. Well, what you said you thought was well, so? Do you have ideas of what they they should no. put in there? Oh me no. Well then, what are you puffing around? They should do a better job, and you don't even have any suggestions. I'm just convinced there must be better stuff than this. I Bigger think those flock. are. I think big, those put, are pretty. Put, put Big Birthday in there. Those, yeah, those are pretty big. Those are pretty good ones. The ones you've named, I think, are pretty good. Yeah, I guess you're right. Now that I think about it. Uh, and it could go way back into earlier human experience. Is our show in there? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> our radio show? I don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, you could put dirt cloths and chunks of wood that cavemen used to eat before they figured out food. <laughs> oh, yeah, squirrel is a lot better than wood. Yeah, yeah good idea. Right. I don't know. You could put, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't have any idea. But I just, it, I just, I there thought, must oh, be, I there can't must... wait to see what they put in there. And then I was disappointed. Well, and it, there, there must be some food items in there, I would imagine, as well as I, I, they probably have a virtual mine to 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 a uh, gold mine in the uh, as seen on TV products because those, oh, yeah. you know, are are very funny. I don't know how those products. My brother knows. The man, his name is Joe P. Dot, and he he's the guy that owns the co- the company that puts like the the chia pet heads yeah, out. Uh, yeah. Uh, most of those crazy items are his, you know that he. Wow. Uh, <laughs> he, a... he didn't necessarily invent them, but right. he sees something he says that'd be perfect for my right. company. There's whole he knows sections, how to market it. Like like in Bartels or the drugs, there's whole sections that yeah. say the as seen in TV on TV section of of crap you can buy. And I never I look at it and I'm like, I just I don't want to ever buy this stuff. They're just it's a waste of money. Right about now, you may be asking how this miracle product works. It's simple. It's literally a giant rubber band that you stick around your face to keep your stupid snoring mouth shut. And it looks super comfortable, too. So that's a bonus. Yeah, that's... that's they're they're novelty, usually, not, novelty. They usually don't items. work the way they're supposed right. to. Right, yes, exactly. Uh, and I've got a whole box full of Billy Bass and uh, all those other things <laughs> down at my garage right now. Yeah, but those are toys. That's different from appliances that... <clears throat> They, yeah, you're right. They're usually pitching on those shows. So. We got one called Magic Curtains. Remember that one? No. What is that? It's it sounds fabulous. Thing. Yeah, it's a magnetic thing that sits over your doorway. Uh, be ideal, like leading to the outdoors, so that bugs and things can't oh, come in. Oh, a screen, a, like a screen thingy. No, it's like a more of an old fashioned. You remember those things that look like beads hanging down, and you push your way through them. Mm-hmm. Go way back. Well, that's what Magic Curtain is, and it it just flopped. It was a terror. It never worked. It fell off over and over again. Uh, so they saw us coming for that for that one. But they in the commercials they show people are just as happy as I, they can. They're I, smiling I, like crazy. Yeah, and they they're like, coming through with a salad and yeah. see how easy it is to walk through this with a salad. And then it usually always ends with "Thank you, Magic Curtain." <laughs> And they Thank always you. and the, and those those ads always start with, "Has this ever happened to you?" Yeah, yeah. It's always I, the same. The same of, pitch. Tired of walking through a doorway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I sure am. <laughs> Think you're gonna have to just put a wall there instead? Now there's magic curtain. Do you believe in magic? Being a young girl. 
Uh, speaking of that, speaking of products, did you see this thing? This is not a new thing. Uh, about uh, the things that millennials are blamed for destroying. Uh-uh. Uh, it, things that other generations hold dear. Um, and I don't know the validity of this list, but uh, they say that millennials are ruining the breakfast cereal business. Why? And because they say, and I guess a millennial would be falling into anybody born between 1981 and 2000, roughly. Um, so they say uh, that they, the millennials, it's too much work to have a bowl of cereal because after you eat it, you have to clean the bowl and spoon. Yeah. So, so the idea is that millennials are maybe lazy. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's true. And then the contradiction of grape nuts offends them because the cereal has neither grape or nuts in them. <laughs> well, that's uh, been a long, a long ongoing uh, pet peeve of people. But you know what the real problem of this breakfast, that's it's not the millennials' fault. You know what the real problem is? Is they're just so packed with sugar and yeah. nobody ever really realized that. We were chowing down that crap as a kid. I'd be eating, I ate Cocoa Puffs. I ate Fruit Loops. I ate frosted corn flakes, frosted flakes. Every yep. flake was caked with In sugar. sugar. And then you'd usually add more of your own. And then you would, yes, you'd add more of your own. And then after you're done, you would drink the milk. Milk. You drink it. And that's but just it, a big sugar fest. Well, there, there's a lot of healthier choices nowadays, though. There's sugar-sprinkled Twinkies, <laughs> marshmallow pebbles. Hershey's cookies and cream syrup. Those are real cereals. I know. It's insane the amount of oh. sugar in breakfast cereal. They say millennials are also responsible for falling sales in the bar soap industry. Do you use bar soap? No. Yeah, I, I use shower gel. The body wash, yeah. Uh, but they say, millennials do, and uh, why not generalize, that bacteria is spread on bars of soap. And I say bacteria schmeria, let's call it what it is, pubic hair. <laughs> That's what they don't want to see. Right. Well, is, if, I, you see, if you take a bar of soap and you see a hair on it, you're not going to use it. You, I don't know why. I, it could be, could be your own hair, but you don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I hate when I go to the – when I travel for business because I don't pack a body wash. I probably should. And they have those little teeny tiny bars of soap that it, it – they just really don't work very well. Oh, they don't. So I need to start packing some body wash. <clears throat> Maybe that's so. the only time I use. But the other thing is the bar soaps don't, unless you're buying Irish Irish Spring. That's hard to ah. say. I, <laughs> remember the Irish Spring commercials? Oh, yeah. You're a strong man, Brian. I am I too strong. Then shower up with Irish Spring. Ah, the double deodorant soap. The very one to get a strong man fresh. Look, and these green and white stripes are two deodorants to get a man fresh and clean. What a fine fresh scent. That's why I use it too. Irish Spring with two deodorants. Gets a strong man fresh. I get those and the uh, 
Lucky Charms uh, <laughs> leprechaun mixed up. Probably the same guy. Tis luck to catch a leprechaun, but of course, nobody can. Catch me, and you catch me Lucky Charms. And no old cereal with a charm indifference. Sweet surprises. See you? Mixed right in with the cereal. It's a charming cereal. Simply charming. Glory be. Free shamrocks. Catch a pack of Lucky Charms. Charming. A Big G General Mills cereal. Hey, Rocky. Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? I must leave. Crystal! Ah, it's a charming soap. Simply charming. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Uh, wait. Don't eat that soap, kids. But if you see pubic hair on a bar of ivory or dove, that's more nauseating than a fully loaded diaper to a millennial. Oh, so That doesn't boy. even address the naughty problem of chafing from soap on a rope. But they're not, millennials are not buying diamonds either. Yeah, because the 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 blood diamond diet conflict exactly. diamonds yeah. and you know we it, so why is that ruining? I think being aware and being I, I here's the deal. If I ever, which I doubt I will, but if I ever um, trick a man into um, marrying me, um, I don't want him to buy me a diamond. <laughs> trick him. I don't want a diamond. I get. I don't. I just think it's a huge waste of money. For one thing. Well, and that's what men think. That's what this man has always thought. <laughs> that, that doesn't they are. Don't you think? I mean, that's a huge waste yeah. of money when I can buy a perfectly good simulated diamond that looks just as good. It's not an investment of any sort because once you drive it off the lot, you can never resell it for the amount that you paid for it. And I think that men have been tricked. I really do. This whole, so you've got to spend four months of your salary on a diamond or you'll be a horrible husband. What a crocka. You know what? So, Lisa Foster, this is Tom Shane. <laughs> Don't you believe that if you really love a woman, you want to show her with a beautiful diamond tennis bracelet? Okay, Tom. Oh, my you God. Say? You do that so good. Uh, uh, that millennials good. are also not buying napkins anymore. They use paper towels. And this makes sense to me, too. I mean, I no. use paper towel. You mean just like when you're sitting down and the family's yeah. ordered pizza, you grab paper towels? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why have napkins? It's redundant. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's enough about millennials. I wanted to, to um, close by talking to you about uh, uh, commercial slogans. This is something I think about sometimes. There's not a lot of good slogans. There, if you think about jingles, for example, you're gonna go. You're gonna think of things from your childhood, mm -hmm. uh, and they come immediately to mind. Uh, you don't. You you don't realize you memorized them, mm -hmm. but you heard them so much as a kid. Like you can remember the whole crest. I can remember the whole crest has been shown to be an effective decay preventive denicris when used in a conscientiously applied program of oral hygiene and regular <laughs> professional care. Wow. Why can, I, why can I remember that? You stored because, that? Because it was, came at you so often, you remember it. And uh, so my, my point on, on all of this was that it seems to me the number one sloganeers these days in, in terms of a category – of advertising are these plumbing companies. Now, are and, you are you still talking about jingles or are you talking about like taglines? I guess, I guess I'm talking about both. Oh, okay. But uh, but but the you know everybody's in the Northwest is familiar with this 
uh, stop your freak and call beacon thing, mm-hmm. yeah, which is kind of lame. It's totally uh, lame. Don't and you then, agree? and then when they get a football player on to say it, it's even lamer. Yeah, uh, I concur. I concur. It's not just that it's lame, but the the commercials are poorly shot. They're poorly executed. But right. I, I don't need to keep going on that. But, right. But, but among, that's half. That's the half the charm, though, of and always has been of local advertisers, local advertisers, even on on the radio. Remember, because they would the owners would always want to do their own um, their own voicing of the and we everybody would roll their eyes and go okay. And but that's sort of part of the charm of these crazy oh, local TV ads, I think. And yeah. car dealerships as well. Those you find a lot of those there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But so I looked this up. And I found, uh, you know, nationwide, uh, the best creative examples among plumbers. Oh, good. Uh, in, no, in no particular order. We drain your worries, not your wallet. That's good. I do like think, this one. Do you think that's uh, lame? No, no. I, these are good ones. Oh, these think, are good ones. Okay. That I think. Yeah. A, a, a flush that beats a full house. A flush that beats a full house. Well, okay. That's trying to be too cute. This is even cuter. We repair what your husband fixed. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> and then the best place to take your leaks. <laughs> okay, that's this, good. This, this implies that you would bring all problems to your plumber. That's that's uh, very clever. And then sometimes a certain last name makes the slogan easy, like there's Einstein Plumbing, the smart choice. Yeah. That would also work for Da Vinci, Newton, Hawking, Archimedes Plumbing places. Right. Less comforting, Jack the Ripper, Vlad the Impaler, and Ivan the Terrible Plumbing. <laughs> now, now, here are the the rotten slogans, in my opinion. Okay. For plumbing companies. We're plumb crazy. Oh, boy. That's yeah, four, terrible. Four All cisterns go. Cisterns? Yeah. What's a cistern? Like a sewer? Yeah, it's like a, it's, you know, like a... See, you can't be too you can't be too smart for the room. That's a problem. That's probably part of it. it it's you know where, where water and waste go. Got a leak? I'll take a peek. <laughs> that just feels creepy to me. <laughs> if it weren't for us, you'd have no place to go. Okay, that's cute. The, the all-time worst, in my opinion, pity the stool. Oh my God. Pity the slogan writer in that one. Yeah. But the runner-up is, we're number one in the number two business. All right. Well. See, they're just tacky. Yeah, they are. So, which brings me to one of my favorite sketches, and I can say that because uh, it 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 doesn't, it's not that it features me, but it, it features uh, the very funny Bob Nelson from Almost Live. Yes. The sketch, sketch TV show. I thought this was a splendid script based on... The claim that you see all the time, no job too big or too small. <laughs> you see it for everything. You really do. Plumbing and... companies, carpenters, whatever. No job too big or too small. Uh, and then, uh, then this is the bit based on that claim. And now it's time for... People! Fascinating people! Hi, and welcome to Fascinating People, and today we're going to meet Buck Carlson. He is the proprietor of Carlson Cement, where for over 40 years their motto has been, no job too big 
or too small. Mr. Carlson, nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Mr. Carlson, what I wanted to ask you... Carlson Cement, no job too big or too small. No, that's too small. <laughs> no, it's too small, I tell you. Lady, how am I supposed to do a job that small? I could never afford to do a job that... Okay, yeah, you do that. Bye. That's uh, fascinating. It sounds like she actually had a job that was too small for him. We get idiots calling like that every day. <laughs> Uh, what I wanted to ask you, Mr. Carlson... Okay, sounds like you got another call coming in there. Carlson Cement, no job too big or too small. No, that's too big. No, what did I just tell you? It's too big. No, it's... Are you listening? It's too big. It's too... Too big! Yeah, you do that. That one was too... Big one, yeah. Uh, Mr. Carlson, what, what do you like the best about the cement business? I mean, if you had to, you know, pick one thing that you like the best about. I guess um, <clears throat> it'd be the cement. The cement. Okay, that, that makes sense. Be, but, sure. Uh, what's the thing you like the least? The customers. Cement customers have got to be the dumbest people on the planet. I wanted to ask you a question about your motto back there. Okay. Carlson Cement, no job too big or too small. No, that's too small. No, it's way too small. Yeah, what's the other job? No, that one's too big. No, it's way too... Listen, it's just me and my lazy son Arnold here. How in the world are we supposed to do a job that big? Come on, think! Boy, look at that. The time has uh, just flown. Thanks a lot. Hope you'll about? join us next time on Fascinating People. That was no interview. What, where are you that was too short. That was no interview. Come on. Carlson Cement, no job too big or too small. Oh, for crying out loud. Come on. Thanks for listening to Peculiar Podcast. Hey, goodbyes. <laughs> Join Pat and Lisa online at PeculiarPodcast.com. The gift that keeps on giving the whole year. And on the Peculiar Podcast Facebook fan page. Sweet. On Twitter at Peculiar Podcast, at Mr. Pat Cashman, and at Foster Chick. Join us and live in peace or pursue your present course and face obliteration. 